transition, Josh. Is it on? Thank you, everyone, for coming today. We definitely enjoy seeing you all Sundays over and over again. It's just, it's great. It's great to come together with family and just praising our Father. Um, also, thank you to those online who joined us. We welcome you as well. And for those visitors, thank you for joining us today. We have a welcome card we'd love to have you fill out. You put your name, your email, your phone number, and drop it off in the box in the back. This will help you get you connected with uh, allowing us to share what events are coming up so you can join us, as well as getting uh, Pastor John's congregational email. So also, if you're not getting those emails and you've been here for a while, definitely fill it out or shoot us an email at the info um, email address, and we will get you plugged in. And oh, also, uh, yesterday was our Embrace Grace baby shower, so I want to do a quick shout-out to all the ladies. Thank you for coming, uh, ladies serving, and the, the two ladies that we did the baby shower for were super blessed. So thank you, Daryl Lee and Adriana, for leading that effort, too. It was great. And in a couple of weeks, maybe two or three weeks, we'll get you more information on that as well and just share all the, all the positive um, aspect of it. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, we have our Labor Day picnic. I'm super excited, and I know you are as yes. well. We are going to come together. We're going to have food. We're going to have jumpies. We're going to have rocket launch, um, backyard games, and more, uh, as well as live band, live music as well. So we need a lot of volunteers to help. We need a couple of people for barbecuing. We need people running the events at the jumpy for the entrance and exits. Uh, make sure everyone's going the right direction, including Josh. He had issues last time. Um, rock and launch. Where I was going. <laughs> We're going to be doing, actually, I think a couple of adults got hurt, I, me included. Um, but it was a lot of fun. But we do need volunteers to make this successful. We're inviting people from the public in Escondido to join us. We're already getting a lot of responses online. So we have uh, on the Church Center app, and also in the back, you can sign up, uh, and we'll get in touch with you so we can get you filled up with just 30 minute time slots. Very low commitment. But we do need your help to uh, make this a successful event. And also, when you attend, come with the mindset to engage the public, right? If you see someone you don't know, go up to them, welcome them in, because we're a big, happy family, and there's always room for more. So we definitely want to engage and show, you know, Jesus' love. That's right. Thanks, David. Awesome. Uh, next week, we're having a back-to-school GPC High School bash. So it's going to be super fun. We're going to have, like, uh, what is it, a snow cone machine. going to have a bunch of games, pulled pork sandwiches. So... Um, if, if you have a teenager, know of a teenager, if you already attend youth group, please bring a friend. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. We're doing axe throwing, so, you know, there's going to be a waiver to sign. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Can't wait. So be sure to attend that and uh, get your teenager there. It'll be a good time. Our August prayer theme, prayer and fasting for healing and breakthrough. We've already been seeing a lot of amazing things happening in people's lives, um, so if you haven't jumped on board with it, I encourage you to do so. Nothing happens on this side of heaven apart from prayer. And, you know, so when you, when you fast, it's sort of like this, this heavenly expediting. I would say it's not manipulating God, but it's surrendering to his will. It's surrendering your comforts, what is comfortable to you, so that you can listen to him and draw near to God. Because God says in his word that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Amen? Amen. So let's do that this month. Our missions highlight, China Legacy. Uh, the missionary couple that we support through this ministry lives in East Asia, and they are planting house churches and raising up multi and multiplying leaders. This church is in part of the world that is truly underground and faces intense persecution. Uh, the Wongs pass along their deepest appreciation and thanks for your faithful prayers and financial support. Uh, the church in China is truly blessed by your love and care. So this is one of the many ministries that we support, um, the missionaries that we support. And that is what your tithes and offerings go to. And so there are various ways for you to give. So we've got the offering box in the back on, the, on that welcome table there. You can give online at thegatheringplacechurch.org, text 84321 to Gathering Place Church San Diego. You can also mail your check into uh, to P.O. Box uh, 1078 Poway 92074. Sound good? You still with me? Why don't we go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll get it right into the message. Lord Jesus, we welcome you in this place, Lord God. We thank you for your presence that is already here. How amazing is your presence, Lord. Lord, we worship you. And so we take these tithes and take these offerings and we give you our first fruits, knowing 
that it's sowing seed and multiplying, not just here in our own backyard, but also around the world. In Jesus' name, Lord God, we pray that you would bless those here, uh, that your word would go forth and not return void. Move upon hearts today, and everyone said, amen. Please welcome up Gary Mancini. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? You ready? Hey, well, we first of all, we've got a, uh, a little special treat. You know, one of the things is that we obviously believe in here and look forward to is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, my oldest daughter is here. Many of you know Kirsten. And uh, the Lord gave her a prophetic word, and so I want to give her an opportunity to share that. Uh, many of you have seen her book. One of her her book is is out front. It's called Going After More. It's a great book. We studied it in our Connect group. How many in our Connect group loved studying that book? Oh, look at them all, man! All right, go ahead. First of all, thank you. Um, it is such a, a privilege to be with you, just worshiping this morning. I love um, being here with Josh, worshiping. And as we were in worship, uh, I just felt such a sense of freedom. The freedom of the Lord is here this morning, and I truly believe that many of us in this room are carrying weights, carrying disappointment, carrying frustrations, that the obstacles that have been coming against us have begun to mark us. And I saw this image, just for those of you who need a visual, of um, a muffin, a poppy seed muffin. And how those poppy seeds represent the discouragement and the disappointment and the frustration and the weariness and the opposition. And they've become, they have become part of us. It has taken on the consistency of who we are. And God is here this morning in his goodness. And because he is a God of hope to bring freedom this morning. And so I believe this is just a little appetizer before the main meal. I believe that God is going to do something incredible this morning, that as his fire falls, it's already begun. I can feel it. My daughter was going crazy too. She's so sensitive. As his fire comes, as the goodness of God falls, as his spirit refreshes and brings hope, it's going to blow out blow out the things that have been become part of us that have uh, become so deep with I can't even stop shaking wow <laughs> become so deep within us that God wants to set you free this morning and so I just can I just pray for you before we get started I just want to release some freedom because that is something that I carry Father God I thank you for your freedom I thank you for your hope you are full of goodness and you do not disappoint. Your hope does not disappoint. And so yeah. I just pray and release hope this yeah. morning. I pray and I release freedom this morning. I pray and I thank you, God, that you are going to come and you are going to remove the trauma, remove the discouragement, remove the things that have marked us internally, Father God, and that you are going to set your children free. Father, I just pray the Holy Spirit would come now in this place as we hear your word, as we are, are encouraged and stirred up by your spirit, begin to bring to mind things, Father, that we have held on to that you have asked us not to, things that we have taken as part of our normal that you have said are not normal for the kingdom, those who walk in kingdom. God, I pray that we would begin to see the things that you are going to come and um, remove this morning as your fire falls. It will deconstruct all those places that have held on to all of those things, and those things will be able to be removed and blown out by your spirit because you are a good God. Yeah. You are a God of freedom. You are a God of hope. Yeah. And so thank you, Father, this morning that you have already begun to work and you will continue to work and what you've started you will complete. And we surrender our hearts. We yield our hearts and our minds and our emotions to you right now. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Wow. Well, thank you, Kirsten. Kirsten did not read my message but she just gave my message. So it's really a confirmation of what I believe God wants to do here this morning. I believe, that, I believe there's going to be a work that's done here this morning in many. 
many of us and many of those online. I'd like to first of all start with, uh, you know, testimonies are a very, very powerful thing. And we all need to be ready to share the testimony that God, what God has done in our life. That's going to be one of the strongest ways that we can reach those around us. And so you need to be prepared, you know, with a two-minute testimony that could go as long as a 30-minute testimony, depending on the opportunity you have. So I'm going to share mine this morning, but you're going to get the two-minute version, okay? So you don't have to live through the 30-minute one. But, uh, gosh, 45, over 45 years ago, closer to 50, I guess. Uh, I was working at a place. I was in, there was a lot going on there. It was kind of a strange situation. The Lord has dealt with me through work situations many times. And um, there was a man there, and he was a believer. And he started talking to me over, over the days, and he asked me if I knew Jesus. And I said, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I know Jesus. And he says, no, no, I mean, do you really know him? And that really hit me because I knew who he was, but I don't know if I really knew him. So uh, through a series of things, I lost my job there. I wasn't there very long, and I left, and that kept going through my mind. And so I knew they met on Wednesday nights. He'd invited me to his church. And so one Wednesday night, uh, we were living in Golden at the time, Golden, Colorado. I was driving downtown Denver to a big, they had a big theater there. That's where their church met. And I'm driving down, and guess what happens? I get a flat tire on the way. So I get out, I change the flat tire, I'm all dirty. I mean, I'm just all dirty. I thought, oh, man, I can't go to church like this. And then the thought came to me, no, you need to go. So I drove on down there, walked into this big theater, and it was huge. Uh, it was an old movie theater, beautiful building, downtown Denver, and they had the stage full of an orchestra. They had every instrument you can imagine, from piano to trombones and trumpets, uh, drums. I don't know what all was there. Probably a bass, maybe some guitars. I mean, you name it. And I thought, man, I've never seen anything like this. I'm going to sit right here by the door and see what goes on. And all of a sudden, somebody shakes my hand. And then pretty soon, they're introducing me to somebody else. All of a sudden, I find myself up near the front in the middle of all these people. And there's no way I'm going to get out of that place. Well, he spoke that night on John chapter 4, which was the chapter I'm, I was asked to teach on this morning, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And that morning, that evening, this broken man, very broken, met Jesus at that well. And he began a healing process. And that's what I want to share this morning. I want to talk about, the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing, how there's a lot of different things you can teach out of this, this chapter. This is my life chapter. There's a lot of things in it. And he spoke to me, he says, I want, I want to speak to how I heal the brokenhearted. And so that's what the message is on this morning. And it went really, just really went well with the prophetic word. And we had a lot of confirmation in pre-service prayer. And we'd love to have you all join us in pre-service prayer at 9.15 every Sunday morning for a great time of prayer. So as I was thinking about that, the first verse that came to mind was Isaiah 61.1. And, and, and this verse... If, if you understand it, this is an important verse because when Jesus came back to Nazareth and he went, they invited him into the temple and they asked him to read. This is the first public reading of scripture that Jesus did when he came into his ministry. And, and, they, and in those days, they laid out which verses, which scriptures were going to be read on that particular day. And they handed him the scroll for Isaiah 61.1. And here's what he read. Here's what he reads, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, bind up the brokenhearted, that's our key, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. This was his first message of who he was and why he was here, why God sent him. And so he has sent him, one of his primary purposes, the first one he mentioned in this verse was to heal the brokenhearted. Now, you know, God's a, a, a three-part being, right? He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as you probably know, he created us to be three-part beings. We're body, soul, and spirit. So we're created in his image. Well, we know, you know, that God brings healing to the body, and we've got some people we're praying for for completion of healing in, in their physical body. We know he brings healing to our spirit, 
The way we're healed in the Spirit is when we bring Him and invite Him in to be in our spirit. And we invite Holy Spirit to come and temple within each of us. And then the third part of us is our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And that's where we can be brokenhearted. See, that's our, that's our heart. That's our soul. And you think about it, um, what, what does it mean to be broken? You know, if something's broken, it's not working as it was designed to work. It's not doing what it was designed to do. It's broken. And God created each of us to be a certain way. He created each of us. He gave us a design of what he wants us to be and what he wants to do through us and what our destiny is. And so if we're brokenhearted, that is getting in the way of what God has created you to be, created me to be. Does that make sense? So that's what we want to talk about today, that peace. And, you know, sometimes, you know, Kathy and I, and, and I've ministered with others, we've been ministering to people for many years, and a lot of them in this position. And we find sometimes the people... I, I, the best word I can say is they get stuck. They get stuck into a situation and they can't seem to get free from it. They can't see, seem to break out of it. Or they, another word, another way I see it is they almost get paralyzed. You know how you get, like you can be so paralyzed in fear that you just don't want to move, right? Well, that's, that's what can happen with people. And that's what I, when I start to see things like that, that speaks to me about there's a brokenness that God wants to heal. So that's, that's what we want to look at today. And, and the, the word for healing, as you probably, have, we, we teach on it all the time, is called sozo. And that's, that is the bringing the fullness of life. It's healing body, soul, and spirit, peace, filling us with the peace of God. It's, it's a total healing. And, and, and if we're not walking in that, then we, are, we can be, if it's in the soul and the emotions, we can be broken. Okay? Are you with me? So there's a lot of different ways you can see that, and I don't want to even start to list them all. You can kind of think about it, because I want this message today to speak to those who feel like you are broken in an area, or those that feel like you're being called to minister to someone who's broken, okay? And, I mean, it could be, uh, some of the things that we've seen, uh, somebody, it could be fear, somebody's really caught up in anxiety, maybe it's stress, um, maybe it's negativity, get caught up you know you speak sometimes you see somebody and they're just negative right or shame you see them walking in shame they can't seem to get out of the shame um selfishness i you know i like what mark mark taught a few weeks ago he talked about sin and and that the root of 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 sin is really not the sin itself but it's our independence from god it's not being dependent on God. It's our dependent, independence. It's, it's the me, me, me syndrome. And one of the things that we've seen over the years as we minister to people that are brokenhearted many, many times, they're always looking inward. It's a me, me, me situation. They're so focused on them that they're missing what's out here, and they're missing what God wants to do in them. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's what this is for. Maybe... This will speak to you personally, or maybe it'll speak to you on how you can reach somebody else. So I'd like to start off here in John 4, 3, for a few verses, 3 through 6. And he says, now he had to go through Samaria. He had to go. Another version said he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, set down by the well. It was about noon. So it says he had to go there. He needed to go there. Jesus, you know, if you remember, if we read a little earlier in the verse, the disciples said, we don't want to go through Samaria. We want to go around Samaria. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Jesus says, no, we have to go to Samaria. I need to go to Samaria. He was called. He was called to go on a mission. He knew. Now, I don't know if he knew he was going to meet that woman at the well, but he knew there was work for him to do in Samaria. So he, they go into Samaria, and, uh, you know, that's the shortest route from, from Galilee uh, to go straight through. And, but the reason that they didn't want to go to, through Samaria, the reason the Jews, they, they hated the Samaritans, and they didn't even want to step on their land, Right? And the reason was, in the Jews' mind, there were three types of people. 
there were the Jews who were the chosen people. There were the Gentiles who were not Jews and non-believers. And there were the Samaritans. And the reason the Samaritans were way down here was because they actually shared some of the teachings of the Jews. They, 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 took, they, they acquired Moses' teachings, but they intermixed with it other superstitions, other false teachings, and just really, it became, it became, they were messing up the, the true word of God. And so the, the Jews looked at that as a, as a half-breed religion. In fact, they called them mongrels and dogs. They hated the Samaritans. Okay, so that's an important piece that we understand. So here he is in Samaria, and um, he sits down at the well, and he's sitting there by Jacob's well. And Jacob's well, there's a lot of history there. There's three key points I want to make. One of them was this is the place where when Abram, who was called by God to go to the promised land, this is where he appeared to Abram and said, this is the promised land of Canaan. Okay, so Jesus knew, I, I just saw how the, Jesus was going to use this place to minister to this woman, that he was going to show her how to reach the promised land. The second one was where Jacob, who was Abram's grandson, was running from God. And as he was running from God, he then came back to Jacob's well, the area there, and that's where Jacob's well was established, because it was a place of safety. So he came to a place of safety. Jesus wanted to share safety with this woman, the Samaritan woman. And then the third thing was, uh, years later, when um, Joshua, Israel was made a covenant with God. Israel was, had been running from God, um, at, you know, just struggling with God, being disobedient, and Joshua came to that place of Jacob's well and said, no, me and my people, me and my family will be uh, we'll serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord from this place. And so it was another message that Jesus could speak into the Samaritan woman's life of how to serve him. So I see all of that as a background about, and there's a lot of different teachings that we can, we can, we can glean out of this chapter in, in John. But I like what, uh, the way Jesus takes this speaking up to her as a brokenhearted person. So here in John 4, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Now, see, you, now you've got the perspective of what she was thinking in her mind. Um, so she's a, she's a, uh, she knows the Jews hate the Samaritan people. They'd never want to drink from a cup from a Samaritan woman. She knows that Jews don't speak to women in public. In fact, the tradition with the rabbis it, it, uh, was that they would not even speak to their own wife in public. Think about that. Now, I know sometimes my wife won't speak to me in public, but that's, a, that's kind of a different story. But th that's how she knew. There's something weird here. This guy is talking to me, a Samaritan woman, in a public place, and... Um, so here, we know she's coming in high noon. Now, all the other women would come early in the morning when it was cool, and it was a time of social time for them. They'd have their friends. They'd get together and do what women do, right? Chatter and talk and have fun. Get together with their crew. She's out there by herself in high noon. She probably doesn't have any friends. She's, you know, you can just start to think about this woman. She's probably full of shame. She knows they, they don't agree with her history which we learn a little bit more about in a moment. She was an outcast, uh, probably very embarrassed. I think it's fair to say that this woman was probably a broken woman, right? She probably was a broken-hearted woman. I think it's pretty clear just from what, as we learn a little bit more about her history. And yet this stranger, this Jew, who she learns is a rabbi, at one point she even calls him a prophet, comes up and says, uh, she says, how is it you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She just can't comprehend this. She's really caught off guard by Jesus. You know, this scripture doesn't tell us this, but I know my Jesus. You know your Jesus. I think he came across with so much love and compassion 
and concern and tenderness. And he said, will you give me a drink of water? And that just cut to her heart. We read on, John 4.10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you a living water. And then in 13, he says, Everyone who drinks this water, which he's referring to the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water given them uh, the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he's starting to teach her now. He's starting to show her and he's using something that everybody can relate to. What it means to be thirsty. What it means to need water. None of us can live without water, right? In fact, you can be stuck out somewhere without food and water. It's water you need more than food, right? You get thirsty way before you get really hungry we can't live without it and so he starts to teach her and he says if you knew the gift of god who i am you would ask me to give living water in the old testament she probably knew this because she knew um, the old testament parts of the old testament jehovah god is called the fountain of living water Jeremiah calls him the fountain of living water. Think of it. Jehovah God's the fountain of living water. Jehovah God speaks to Moses and said, speak to the rock and I'm going to provide you natural water, right? Later on, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus and says, you need to be born again. You need spiritual water. That's what born again means, right? We take drink in the spiritual water. First in the natural, the living, or the regular water, then in the spiritual, the living water. So God's always speaking to us about our need for water. And he, made her, and he made her curious about this. And it really got her attention. In fact, he said, you're never going to thirst again if you drink the water I've got for you. We don't know water that you can't. You know, normal water, you drink it, you drink a big glass, it's not that much down... A little more time goes by, you need some more water, right? But not with the living water. It's eternal water. We're all thirsty. We all have a thirst. What are you thirsty for? Because um, we can search for the things to quench our thirst in the wrong places, can't we? God created us with this inner thirst. What are some of the things that make us thirsty? I mean, you can see people chasing after money, chasing after fame, chasing after respect, maybe getting into partying, doing drugs or alcohol. We can go after all kinds of stuff, trying to quench the thirst that we have, and none of it does, right? We've all probably done something going after that, and you realize later, this is not the way I'm going to quench that thirst. We need the spiritual water. So that's what Jesus is teaching her. So as we continue on in John 4.16, Jesus says to her, now go back, call your husband to come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, what you have said, well said. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. So now she's really starting to see. See, you understand, think about it. You know, in, in our world, people don't understand the prof- prophetic, right? They don't understand prophecy. In fact, many don't believe that it even exists. In their world, prophecy was a common day occurrence. I mean, they knew the prophets. They grew up under the prophets. They learned from the prophets. They were taught by the prophets. And she saw, this guy's a prophet. So now she's really starting to understand. There's something special here. He's being kind to me. He's speaking prophetic words. He even knows everything about me. Um, I mean, think about it. Jesus made it clear to her, I know you. 
It wasn't so much that I knew that you had all these husbands and the guy you're with now is not your husband. He made it clear to you, I know you. And he knows each one of us. He counts the hairs on our head, right? He knows us. He knows each one of us. And she saw that. And she saw he was a prophet. So this is all of a sudden she's getting this new revelation about there is something really going on here. And so then he continues on. In 425, 26, she says, the woman says, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. You realize this is the first time he ever said that? The first time in his ministry he ever told anyone who he is, why he's here. He's saying, I am the one you've all been waiting for. All, you know, through this whole part of the book, this whole part of the book is talking about this moment when he comes. Everything is leading up. Everything from in the Old Testament is pointing to Messiah. God is telling us, I'm sending someone to solve the mess that humankind has. That's all he's telling us in the Old Testament. And now all of a sudden Jesus is telling this sinner, I am he, the one you're speaking with. I'm the one. Think about that. Who did he, he, the first person he tells is a sinner. He came for all of us as sinners. Isn't that powerful? I mean, it's, you would have thought, you know, if, if I was designing this and I was going to announce the Messiah, I probably would have put together a big, a big ceremony, right, in front of the temple, had a bunch of food, had a big, you know, some bands playing. You know, we're going to make a big announcement. No, Jesus goes to the well in Samaria and tells her who he is. John 4, 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. He didn't tell her everything, what, everything that she ever did, but she knew he knew everything, right? She could tell, this guy knows me. He probably knows everything from when I was little to where I am now. He told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way to him. Now, is this what a broken person does? She was afraid to hang out with anybody. She was afraid to talk to anybody. And all of a sudden, after a, an encounter with Jesus, you can see how she was healed. Her brokenness is, is beginning to get healed. Pro probably wasn't totally healed. Healing is a process. It may have been totally healed. He can do it that way too. But she runs back to town and starts evangelizing. She's the first evangelist. She's the first one that says, I've seen the Messiah. He's here. Come and see the Messiah. So she runs to town. That's not what a broken person would do. She was too embarrassed to even hang out with the women in the morning, in the cool of the day, and talk to them. Now she's encouraging everybody to come and see this because she had an encounter. She spent a few moments of time in his presence. His presence. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but it's his presence. A few moments in his presence, and she was changed. Okay, so how do we get victory over our brokenness? Anybody here, and you don't have to raise your hand, you know. Anybody here have some brokenness that you need healed in your life? You know, I, I go back to that point. See, this is that same, that, that night I was in that big theater in Den, downtown Denver, and I had just a glimpse of Jesus, and the healing of my brokenness started. I had the same experience she had. I came home and I started preaching to my wife. She thought I had flipped out. For, well, she knew I'd flipped out before, but she thought it in a different way. So how do we get healed of our brokenness? 
First thing we need to do is we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ, okay? That's what I did that night. And if you haven't done that, today's your day. Don't let today go by. Today's your day. Because that's where the spiritual healing is going to take place as you accept that living water. So that's the first thing. We all need that. Accept the living water. The next thing we need to do is we need to seek God to really under, understand what the root cause of our brokenness is. It can come from so many places. And uh, we need to listen to God and let God speak to us. Somebody may have a prophetic word for you which will help draw you to it and help you understand it, but it really comes back to you to step into that place of healing through it because it can come from stuff that happened to you when you were a little kid or stuff that happened to you yesterday. But God wants to heal for it. And, you know, it's, imp it's important that we get prayer from one another, but it's also important that we pray for ourselves and we spend time in prayer and in God's presence for our healing. We can't just expect somebody else to bring healing to us. God, it's a process that we need to go through with God. So, you know, I think back at a, a, years ago when we were in Charlotte, there was a man, and we were ministering to him. He had a terrible pornography problem. It was destroying his marriage. His marriage was about done. And we couldn't get through to it. We were taking him through deliverance. When we do deliverance, we also go into Sozo. We got into doing some Sozo. And if you don't know what Sozo is, we have a Sozo uh, coming up soon, right? Yep. Thursday night. Highly recommend it. We moved into Sozo with this man. And I actually got a, uh, as I recall it now, I just had a very small word of knowledge. And I said, did something tragic happen to you when you were young? And he looked at me, and he got tears in his eyes. He said, I've never told anybody, anybody this. When I was about, I think he was about 10 or 12, a bigger kid down the street that was about 16 physically abused him. It broke him. He had this brokenness in him. And you know why? He kept thinking, I should have stopped it. I didn't stop it. He's a big, burly guy. He was like a weightlifter, a big, strong guy tough guy, right? Man, he was just melting in that meeting. And he had this thing in his mind that I should have stopped it. Now, I could have said to him, you know what? There's no way you could have stopped it. You were a small 10, 12-year-old, this big guy. You couldn't stop that. That wouldn't bring healing. But you know what brought healing? We got into Sozo. We asked the Lord to come into the situation. The Lord spoke to him. And you know what the Lord said to him? It wasn't your fault. You couldn't stop it. Boom. He was healed. How many times have you seen that? A lot. He was healed of his brokenness. Totally broke this thing of pornography over him. Totally saved their marriage. That's what God can do in an instant, just like he did with the woman at the well. Third thing we need to do is we need to understand our identity in Jesus Christ. And you know what? The only way you're going to understand your identity in Christ is to seek him and to, see, and to read his word and to memorize his word. There's so many scriptures that tell us who we are in Jesus Christ. We've got a list. I don't know if it's on the website now or whatever, but we can get a list to you. If you don't know, we can give you a list of memory verses for who I am in Jesus Christ. As, you know, we are adopted into the family of God. Do you know what that means? In the Jewish, in the Jewish culture, when Jesus was born, if Joseph had not adopted him, he would not have been able to go to the temple and be um, dedicated because he didn't have a father. But Joseph had adopted him before he was even born. Remember, Joseph was struggling with that. What should I do? And the angel came to him and spoke to him about being the father of Jesus. And there he was. He adopted him. Maybe it wasn't even a formal adoption, but in his heart he adopted him, and Jesus then could be dedicated as an eight-day-old. Now think about that. What if Joseph hadn't done that? What would have happened to Jesus? But that's what happens with us, because we are adopted. Romans tells us we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We, it's a legal process. Adoption is a legal covenant, Right? And when we come to Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. Amen? That's something to cheer about. Come on, somebody can give me a little bit here. All right. So we need to, we need to know those verses. You, need, you know, if we don't know 
who we are, we don't know where we're going, and we won't know where to, we need to go, right? We need to, we need to understand our adoption. Now, this next one is controlling our thought life. This is a big one. This is huge because we can only control our thought life if we choose to control our thought life. In fact, we're told that our minds need to be transformed by Jesus Christ. And so we've seen this so much that people uh, get caught up in this thought life that they can't get out of, and that's why they can't get set free. We had, a, we had a, an old friend, several people here know her, Thelma, and she had this phrase I loved, you can't have stinking thinking. She was from Kentucky, that's why she talked like that. You got to get rid of stinking thinking. You got to change your thought life, and you do that by choosing to change your thought life. Um, I think of a, 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 another friend of ours who had been struggling with stuff for years. Now, she had a lot of bad stuff going on in her life. But she couldn't break these thought patterns going on in her mind. She'd go, and we, we would meet with her, and we would meet with her, and we would meet with her, and we would pray with her, and we would pray with her. One day, we got together, and we kind of shook her. We were talking about this in prayer this morning. We kind of shook her and said, you know what? It's time you stop the stinking thinking. You've got to choose to change your thought life. You keep going back. A trigger happens, something happens with one of your kids, or something happens with your husband, or something happens here, and you just go right back into the same stories, the same pattern of thinking. She got a hold of it. We prayed through it. She made a choice. I'm going to change my thinking. She went from being a victim to being victorious. I mean, and it happened quickly. It happened in a matter of weeks, and it's been months now, and she is still walking in victory. And uh, several people here know her, and Mary's over here nodding her head. It, she's walking in victory. So we have to control our thought life. We can't have this poor me. You know, you may need to slap yourself. I, you know, <laughs> hey, in prayer, we were praying over this, and I saw this, I saw this picture of an old Western movie where the guy slaps the other guy, right? Come on, get out of it. Shake out. We got, you may have to slap yourself. I slap myself a lot. Okay. Understand that it's a spiritual warfare, right? It's the enemy. And he, the thing about the enemy, it's like this weakness. If I have this weak, like this man had this weakness in his life that I was talking about. The, the, the weakness with pornography, the weakness with this unbelief of who he was, lack of identity of who he was, and so the enemy goes after it. It's a spiritual warfare. So we have to know it's a spiritual warfare, and we are told that um, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have power to demolish strongholds. So we can break these things, right? We can break them through the power of Jesus Christ. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. We can break these things. We don't have to live them. We don't have to be victims. Okay, and the last point, and I want to spend some time in prayer, is we need to spend time in the presence of God. We need to check. Do you know how? Some of you may be so used to this and what we do here, the worship time, the prayer time, the preaching time, being in the presence, it's a precious thing, a precious gift that many people don't understand. You have to understand how precious it is. We recently had the pleasure of going on an Alaskan cruise. And on the cruise, we went with a Christian group. And so we had some Christian teaching, but it wasn't the full gospel. There was good word, good teaching, but when it was no presence of God in the services. I, I don't know. We must have gone to six services. I don't know. There was no presence of God there. We were pushing it on ourselves. We were moving into it, but we were doing it on our own. We need to move into the presence of God. I, you know, I don't know what. Joe Rhodes was here six, eight weeks ago. Remember he was talking about in, intimacy with God? That's the presence of God, right? Did a great sermon on intimacy with God. Do you remember what one of the key points he said was? Intimacy brings change. 
That's how we're changed, right? We're changed by being in the presence of God. And you know what? Nobody can do it for you. I can't go to Mark and say, Mark, I'm going to pray that God's going to fill you with this. Mark's got to spend time on his own seeking God and going after the presence. Nobody else can do it for you. It's like uh, building muscle. You know, I, come and pray for me. I need more strength and more muscle. No, I got to go to the gym, right? You can't do it for me. God, I wish you could do it for me. <laughs> so we, we know, you know we need to devote the time and, and pursue, pursue God. Uh, this is a little book that a friend of mine named Mark Cowpersmith recommended many years ago. The Practice of the Presence of God. And you've probably been reading this book for how many years? 30 or more years? I read this book at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. It's a quick read. I just get into it sometimes in my devotion time and read a section on it. This is a, about Brother Lawrence. Highly recommend this book. Brother Lawrence was a Carmelite monk in... Um, Gosh, in the late 1600s. Amazing testimony of this guy. And, but he got into the presence of God and lived in the presence of God to the point that he worked in this kitchen and people would just come to sit in the room with him because it was so full of the presence of God. And one of the things he taught was, I can continually communicate with God or continually communicating with God awakens the faith in me, awakens our faith. That's what we need to be, um, you know, continually communicating. He would communicate with God when he leaned over to pick up a straw on the ground. I mean, he, he could worship God picking up a straw on the ground. It's a great read. I don't, I don't agree with everything that's in here. I'll just say that. But I'll tell you what, it is a really encouraging book. I highly recommend it. The Practice of the Presence of God. We need to spend time adoring and loving God. We don't always need to be asking for something, do we? We don't always need to be giving him our list. We can just be adoring him, worshiping him, communing with him. It's a balance. Can we pray? Just close your eyes. Lord, I just, I just ask that you would speak to each of us about areas in our life, any areas in our life where there's brokenness that's hindering the person you want us to be. If we're broken, if there's brokenness there, we can't be doing we can't be the person you're calling us to be. You have a destiny for each and every one of us. I just pray you would speak that to each of us as we, as we seek you now. Or maybe there's someone that you're ministering to. Just God, just give revelation. Give words of knowledge. Help, help us to understand their blind spots so we can minister to them. As the Lord's showing you things, just ask him how, what he wants to do with that, how he wants to bring healing. He'll show you how he wants to bring healing. Maybe you need to change your thoughts. Maybe you need to control the thoughts. Maybe you need to understand the spiritual warfare. Maybe you need to better understand who you are in Jesus, what that means to be an adopted son of Jesus Christ, adopted daughter of Jesus Christ. Speak to us, Lord. Maybe there's some here who have not actually drank from the living water like I talked about. I walked into that prayer meeting or that service and I had never, I knew who Jesus was, but I had never really drank the living water until that night. As eyes are closed, if that's you, just raise your hand. I'd just like to pray for you. You want to drink the living water. 
from Jesus this morning. This is your day. Don't leave here without doing that. I see that hand. Just drink more. You know, we can all, maybe, you know, it doesn't mean you're not saved. You just want more of God in your life. Just open your hands, put your palms up and open your hands and just say, Lord, I want more of you in my life. I'm thirsty and you're the only one who can quench my thirst, Jesus. Holy Spirit, quench my thirst. As we move into a time of worship, in Jesus' name, amen. Stand to our feet as we sing about the God of revival. Can we thank Gary? Thank you for bringing the word. Let's worship. Seen what you can do, oh God of wonders. Your power has no end. The things you've done before, the things you've done before, in greater measure, you will do again. No prison, there's no prison wall you can break through, no mountain you can move. No broken, there's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you can save. Oh, things are possible. The darkest, the darkest night, you can light it up, you can light it up, oh God of revival. Let hope arise, death is overcome, and you've already won, you're the God of revival, yeah. Sing your rose in victory. You rose in victory, now you're seated, forever on the throne. Sing it out. So why should my heart fear when you defeated? I will trust in you, Lord. Prison wall you can't break through, no mountain you can move all things are possible no broken there's no broken body you can't raise no soul that you can save all things are possible the darkest the darkest night you can light it up you can light it up oh god overcome and you've already won you're the God of revival yeah come on let's put our hands together he's the God of revival come awaken come awaken your people come awaken this city Oh, God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh, God of revival, pour it out. Come awaken. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Oh, God of revival, pour it out. 
every struggle will crumble. I need to change it to ground. Oh God, a revival, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. Oh, pour it out, Lord. The rivers of living water, the darkest night, you can light it up. You can light it up, oh God of revival. Let hope arise, death is overcome. You already won, oh God of There's victory in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing this out. The weapon may be formed. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. With confidence now, when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Come on, church. My God will never
this victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, at this time, we want to invite the prayer teams down to go after even more victory <laughs> in Jesus' name. And so if you need prayer for anything, please, we just encourage you to come down front. We want to contend with you. We want to pray with you for that breakthrough. I want to thank you for joining us. You don't have to come down, but if you must go, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, online community. If you're watching, leave a comment about how you were impacted today, how God moved on your heart during the service. Go in peace in Jesus' name. Amen.